What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil, and welcome to my podcast. I'm really excited about today's episode. We have a director, creator, visionary extraordinaire, Roxana Baldovin. Now, if you're not familiar with her and you're in the industry, you're probably living under a rock. She's worked with everybody from Steve Aoki to Wiz Khalifa to Doja Cat to Sweetie to Lil Uzi Vert, Luke, Lupe Fiasco, Rico Nasty, H.E.R. I mean, she's worked on major, major projects. And not only is she an accomplished creative, but she's also a very interesting person. She is a free spirit, you could say, <laughs> and has a very... Um, liberated philosophy on life, and her energy is very motivating. So I'm excited for this episode. I hope you guys get a lot of uh, insight and information and inspiration from it. And also, just a quick note, uh, for the first few minutes, we had an issue with my camera, the angle that was on me. So you're going to see that looking a little blurry for a bit, but not to worry. After a few minutes, it goes back to it being all in focus, but all her shots are looking solid. So enjoy the episode. Here we go. This is Roxy. So first of all, welcome. Thank you. Tell us, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Roxana Baldovin. And what I do is I bring people together through the power of story, I would say. But I mean, like more paper stuff, I guess, right now. I'm a director of music videos and commercials and branded content and the like. When I first met you um, and I saw your social media, there mm -hmm. was something very unique about you. Because you weren't just like a like a director, you're also somebody who expresses yourself. Yes. Very colorfully. Yes. And it's something that I can't do this podcast without starting about. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about nudity. Oh. And sexuality. Okay. Yes. And what that means to you, mm -hmm. and how you present yourself, how you live your life, and how you think directors are allowed or not allowed to be portrayed as. Okay. So I think that um, I've always been a nudist my whole life. I feel like we all have nipples. It's not that fucking crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Um, in high school, I would like get suspended a lot for wearing tight pants and like making the boys drool as if it was my, like I literally got suspended twice for that. And I'm like, wait, why is that my fault? That Like, shouldn't you be suspending the boys for that? Right. Um, and yeah, I just feel like I've always been very comfortable in my body and very like, I, you know, so I feel like people have definitely tried to be like, oh, as a director, you can't be sexy as a director. You need to wear black and be in the background. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, so, I'm, I'm so, I'm so sorry. no, no problem. There's a dog here, guys. We Let's tried. see doggy. Mama, the dog's gone. So focus we, we on, tried focus to on experiment me. with leaving the dog in here for once. Doesn't work. And today was not the day for that. Yeah, yeah it's all good. <laughs> that happens today with my cat. Actually, I just had um, a photo shoot at my house yeah. and my cat ran out. You were there, but you know, let's tell the viewers at home. My cat ran out, which never happens too, and we had to go back and get my cat in. So animals and set, you know, you never know. <laughs> it's a hit or miss. There. Yeah, for <laughs> we real. love them though. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go back to where we get worse. Can if you could just start your answer again, because I really care about this. I will absolutely yeah. start my answer go again. Ahead. So basically, I've always been a nudist. I don't see anything wrong with nudity because we're all human and we all have bodies, right? Um, so free the nip to me, like, is a very weird thing because it's like we literally all have nipples. It's not that crazy, you know? Right. So, yeah, so basically my whole life I've been, like, very comfortable in my skin, comfortable in my body, like, comfortable in the human experience of – I've never been to a nudist colony or anything, but I would love to go. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, in high school growing up I'd get suspended for wearing too tight of clothes and, like, 
making the boys drool and it's like why is that my fault that they can't concentrate on their work because of what I'm wearing like why you know it didn't make sense I was like a double standard there right so now I feel like as a director um I think there is a stigma of like oh you can't be like hot and be a director right and for me it's like I put together this whole concept I'm super excited about getting my idea out into the world I want to be as lively as the set I want to match it it's my day too today's my birthday you know what I mean like yes. every day is like a fucking birthday on set a birthday of your idea yeah so I love like matching my sets I actually did a video for um this song called slut by PP cocaine and that was the first day. Actually, I don't know if it was the first day because I'd be wearing, I'd be letting my nipples show a lot. I don't really pay attention to it. But on that day, I consciously had a see-through shirt on because it was purple and like my outfit was pink and purple because the set was pink and purple. But I had my nips out because I was like, this is a little slutty too. This matches the set. This matches the vibes. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel that we got to change that uh, dynamic for sure. Yeah. How do your definitely. parents feel about this? Oh, how does how do my parents feel about it? Um, my mother definitely. I also like. I want to be the first director on Playboy. Like, I want to be on the cover of Playboy. That's super like a goal of mine. Um, how my mother feels about it? I think now she just accepts it and is like, she sees the vision. I want to believe that she sees my vision enough to be like, you've gotten this far. I think just. <laughs> You're crazy, but I believe in you, is what I'm thinking. I feel like a part of her thinks that I'm like going to grow up one day and not want those things anymore. But I feel like as I've been growing into myself, it's only solidified what I want for myself more. You felt it early on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I got the bug of like, I'm going to do what I want with this life at 17, you know, um, which is I think that's like the age when it's like you go into college for what you like. That's when you start the like. Are you going to go after your goals? Or are you going to go into a workforce? Or are you going to fuck off? Da, 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 da. Right. So I remember my junior, senior year of college, I was like 20. And I remember being like, oh, shit, like school's about to be done. Like I need to, you know, figure out a way to, you know, work. And so while all my friends were partying, I went to ASU. So I went to a huge party school, like, you know, freshman, sophomore year. I was, was that Arizona State? Yeah. Okay. Um, and so junior year, my friends are still like, you know, being bar tards in bikinis at pool parties all day long. And me, every Saturday and Sunday, I'd be like, I'd lock myself in the editing bays because I went to school for journalism. So I'd lock myself in the editing bays and like write scripts. I wrote an entire series of a show with my best friend in New York, my senior year of college, learned everything on Photoshop, like all the crazy shit on Premiere. I think it was Final Cut back then that we were learning. And but like, I was editing all my news stories like they were fucking music yeah, videos, yeah. like putting like RGB chrome, <laughs> like aberration, like chopping it up mad weird. And so I had um, my teacher, like my first, not my first, but like big mentor of mine, Aaron Brown. Um, he told me he was like, yo, you're too creative for this shit. Like, what are you doing? Basically, you know, because yeah, the news world is very, very bland, cut and dry. Yeah, yeah. The way. OK, so Aaron Brown, um, <laughs> he is the first he was um, his first day at CNN was 9-11. And so, yeah, he just got like, Choop! you know, and that like catapulted him, obviously, like he ended up having a, a nightly show on CNN and Aaron, uh, Anderson Cooper took his place. So like in the early 2000s, like that was the dude. So in order to get into his class, you had to show one video piece that you had done. And the only thing that I had at that time was Coachella. And ironically, this is crazy. The thing that made him be like, you have an eye was that I shot a couple that was naked in the crowd instead of shooting like the people on screen. And I'm like, isn't that obvious? Wouldn't anyone see like that's more interesting than the band that was playing? Like, right. So nudity has been a guiding light in my life. 
<laughs> Did you always know you wanted to do music videos? No, I think that my soul knew because like growing up, um, I did dance when I was younger. And so I would like close my eyes and like choreograph music videos. Yeah, so I was working at a publication and it was still like an office life. Like I was very into Hunter S. Thompson. And so his whole thing was like, that is actually a gonzo tattoo, if you know what gonzo journalism is. But um, basically his whole thing is that uh, he wouldn't just like write a part of the story, like he would actually inject himself into the story and be a part of it. Um, like narrative or not? Like, well, he wrote Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Okay, I've heard of that. I haven't read it. Have you seen the movie with Johnny? No. Hitt? Whatever. So, um, yeah. So for that, like, you know, he took mad drugs and like, you know, went um, to Vegas to this conference. But he like was on the road with the Hell's Angels. Um, when he went on the uh, Nixon, he went on the Nixon campaign, um, Frost Nixon campaign. Yeah. Um, and like everything, the Rum Diaries also him. So like everything, every story of his, like he would inject whatever was going on with him as well into the story, if Got that makes it. sense. And so I pretty much want to do that. I am doing that with my own life, but uh, that was like the the start of that mentality. Working in this in this office as a journalist, basically, I had this like, my the only journalist I had looked up to at that time was Hunter S. Thompson, is what I'm saying. So that's what I thought was like, oh, that's what journalism is. And I'm like sitting in this fucking office, like writing boring ass pieces and I'm like, no, this is not going to be it. And so then um, I went home uh, from college and my parents were like, work at the office, do this, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, like, that's not, I'm not, you know, they, definitely my family tried really hard to push me into like a normal situation. Right. But I was not budging i was not malleable i was just determined so like actually what i did and i tell everyone to do this and a lot of people don't do it but i really thank craigslist for getting me like out of a trap because i was checking craigslist every single day in that fucking office so i worked in an office until i was 23 um and then at 23 i was working on on wall street at a forex exchange company okay um which is probably why i'm really good at stocks now <laughs> so i guess there's good that comes out of everything um, because you're saying you're doing forex trading. Um, yeah, I was doing forex <clears throat> exchange, and um, it was fucking boring as all hell. I mean, I loved my coworkers, but like, I tried really hard because my parents were really pushing me, like, oh, like you can move up in the world, and this could be so fucking dope. And I just like could not. I was like, no. So I, every day at work, because we were working on computers, I would check Craigslist, like the TV, the movies, like film, writing, like any sort of opportunity I could get, photos that like wasn't in that space. And I started doing like little fashion campaigns for like, you know, cause I was living in New York, you know? So I was doing little like fashion shoots. And then like from there, the music video thing happened cause growing up in Brooklyn, there was a lot of rappers obviously. Right. So um, my ex-boyfriend at the time, uh, he was also like in a similar situation that I was. Like he was working at um, like a local production company too, kind of doing like similar videos that I was do doing. Neither of us had any music video experience, but he was like, um, I was going to New Zealand because I've always been a Mama Pangea world traveler. So I'm like about to, while I'm in New Zealand, he hits me up and he's like, hey, um, I asked these guys underachievers if um, I could do a music video for them. They only had 10,000 followers at the time. I mean, 10,000 views on their first video on YouTube. Right. So they were like, oh, <laughs> like, that was like yeah. a lot for us. But yeah. like, it wasn't a lot in the grand scheme of things. Right. So he's like, yo, um, I'm going to try to do this music video. Do you want to help? At first, they don't respond to him at all. Right. 
But I actually learned this from him. Um, he knew that they were like into indigo children. Do you know what indigo? Like we were all fucking hippies. We were all third eye doing acid, mushrooms, any chance we fucking got, like ridiculous. So um, he, he, um, the indigo children were people like uh, from like the years that we were born that like, you know, are in the world to save humanity and da 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 da. Okay. And so uh, I guess, so my ex made a status on Facebook saying something about indigo children. One of the underachievers saw it and said, you know what? This guy's on our wavelength. We're going to give him a video. So we end up doing the video, right? Um, didn't know what we were doing at all. You know, like just got our random friends to do the lighting. Like I was the DP, <laughs> you know? And so then like that was the summer before my senior year of college. Right. That video ended up getting 12 million views. So my first music video that I ever worked on had 12 million views. And so that whole first year that I was wow. at college... Yeah, that whole first year that I was at college, I was super emo, like scratching to get back to New York because like Princess Nokia was coming up, Joey Badass was coming up, like Rat King, like all these people that like I felt like I was, I should be there doing it, you know, like my ex was getting work and I was, I was helping. Your ex was a director too. We were, we, we started together. I'm As saying. a duo. Like, well, no, he like, it. yes, 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 exactly. But that first year, it was like I was just doing random shit, like, like random titles on when I was still in college, it was like I did. I was a DP for the first one. Then I was an editor. Then I was a colorist, and it was just like Miss Mosh hod, hodgepodging, trying to like trying to figure out where you fit in. Right, but then it was like then we tripped on acid at Electric Forest, and he's like crying to me because he's like because he had fucked me a little bit like with like my ideas or my shit, and then like just running off and doing it, and I'm like or like telling me that I was gonna direct something, and I'm like coming up with a whole concept like so excited, and then he's like, well, it'd be really weird to tell the DP that there was two directors, so like I don't think I'm gonna do that, and I'm like, wait, what? You know, so it was definitely very rocky and very toxic, but. Obviously, I'm so fucking grateful for that experience because I don't think I would have known I wanted to do music videos right. without that experience. I would have definitely gone more the journalistic route. Like, I wanted to work for Vice. I wanted to do Anthony Bourdain type shit, which now I'm getting more into. I'm about to, I just hired a team to like get all my travel stuff together for YouTube. So I'm about to be bringing the Senora Directora brand to YouTube. I'm really hype. What is that Senora Directora brand? Um, well, actually, we just figured this out recently. It's be the director of your own life. So I feel like um, I'm, I don't know, I'm just feel very blessed with the brain I have because ever since I was younger, I've just been like, what are you doing? Like, I couldn't fathom how someone would like spend 30 years at a job they hated nine to five to like, you know. <clears throat> yeah, me neither. What? Like that was never going to be me it ever. It was not an option at all. Not an option at all. And now I'm living my dream life. I mean, I'm in Colombia. You know, last week I was in Colombia. I'm going to Mexico tomorrow. And, you know, I work very fucking hard. I'm working all the time, but I'm also like working. I have freedom in my work because like I can work from wherever I want. I, you know, I'm the boss of my own life. I'm the director of my own life. And so I feel like I want to teach and inspire other people to be the directors of their own life, too, because, you know, you could really do whatever you want on this planet. You know, you yeah. are choosing to be inside that office and hating your life. You don't need to do that. Yeah. You know, like there's other ways to make money. You can do it. You yes. know? So, and especially if you're, like, blessed enough to, like, because obviously, you know, there are people, like, I, I do understand the argument that, like, oh, circumstances, da, 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 da. But there are people that, like, are in the worst fucking circumstances, like, in a third world country, and they get themselves fucking out of that, you know? Yes. So I feel like, no, you can do it. It's all a mindset. Like, you, 
your life is is in your head. So just get out of your own head and realize anything is fucking possible. You know? Do you think being an immigrant helps that perspective? Because, you know, my parents, they're both artists and we're immigrants as well. So, you know, we're used to like, okay, well, if it's not working out here, let me go to where it is going to work out. Um, I've lived in so many different cities. I think immigrants have that mindset more so of like it's okay to go somewhere else to find the opportunity. Yes, I think it's I think it's a double edged sword because I grew up in an immigrant community and they play it very safe. It's very much like we came to this country for you to make sure you have a six figure job, you graduate college and like, you know, you do it correctly. Mm. And so there was a lot, a lot of pressure put on me. Like Almost like they were the risk takers to come here. Well they weren't risk takers, they were political refugees. They got kicked out of their country oh. for being Jews. So Oh no. wow! Yeah. Were you with the family when? No, no, happened? no. My my mom left in 1968 from Poland. Okay. So but she had me like very late in life. So she was she was 17. She was a senior in high school when she and then she was a senior in high school coming to America in 1969, the summer of love from communist fucking Poland, bro. To like, like what did she think of all this? Oh, I mean, did, she, does she understand your? Oh, what did she think lifestyle? of me? Well, I mean, I was gonna say, what did she think of coming to that? Oh, what did she think? Of love? I mean, I well, first she thought American boys were so ugly. <laughs> I think it's so funny. She was like, the American boys were so ugly. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it was crazy. She had never seen so much food in her life. So she gained like 30 pounds in a year. <laughs> um, but yeah, the pot, like the artistry, like she was, she, her, so my mom's an artist too. And now because of my success as an artist, she's actually been taking her art much more seriously in that regard. Like she's had exhibits all over the world from her photography. Oh, great. But that's all happened after 60 years old. So, uh, you know, when she was coming to this country, she was an artist doing shit, but she was selling ceramics on the street. And like she was trying to learn English. Like she, um, you know, was trying to figure out her place here. Like, so she was also super into pot. So she's like, <laughs> she was like, if I had your ambition at that age, Roxy, I'd be at such a different place. I'm like, I know. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, I feel blessed because between both my parents, like my mom had that like artistry and like the culture, like, you know, she was always teaching me about my Picassos and my Matisse's and like, yeah, yeah. you know, taking me different places around the world. And my dad was a doctor who was fucking workaholic, literally died at work, you know? So really, yeah, I mean, of a drug overdose. So he killed himself, basically. I mean, not <laughs> he didn't intentionally kill himself, but like, you know, drugs are a slow suicide. attempt. Yeah, yeah. He was an anesthesiologist. So he like got high off his own supply. Really? From yeah. Anesthesia. A lot of people do that, actually. And like, it's I would like to eventually use my platform and like get to a place where like I could spend time really like fixing that because there's a like I think they all knew also, but like. When you're taking those drugs, he died of a fentanyl overdose, which is crazy because it was before fentanyl. He died in 2014. So it was before fentanyl like really hit the streets. Right. And um, I think that a lot of people like uh, with those types of drugs, like you go to sleep and then you wake up and like it doesn't, you don't, you can't, you're a functioning drug addict, you know? Right. But like what's not functioning is like your paranoia and your delusions and your anger and the way you see the world. Like his personality did a complete 180, you know, where then it was just like, you know? So, but yeah, there's a lot of doctors that I feel like have that issue um, and they don't do anything about it. Um, like it's not a rare case. What happened to my father? Wow. Um, if, if you had to right now state what you want your platform to represent. Freedom. Freedom in all sense of the words. Like just like 
being free yeah like free to <clears throat> express yourself free to be yourself free to like live life on your own terms free to see the world just like yes freedom is there anything in life where you feel not free currently no not really <laughs> that's beautiful no uh free your i actually like um yeah i think if i were to like teach a course it'd be like free your spirit manifesting your essence through self-expression did you take any classes or seminars or retreats that have helped you unlock this oh my god yes shout out leaders create leaders and gerard adams and the conscious leaders mastermind tell me about that so um yeah like my life has changed so much in the last year so last year um gerard adams i don't know if you know who that is but uh he sold That's mrs adams son yeah <laughs> <laughs> um he sold two um two eight-figure businesses by the time he was 30. He used to own Elite Daily. And um, Elite Daily, like, I don't know if, you know, if, you're, if you're familiar with it, but it was like a super bro-daddy publication. Like, right. in college, I would read some of their articles, but like, it wasn't anything very like, you know, good, right? Like, right, sure, whatever. Super whatever. Um, And then now, in his 30s, he... Uh, is like, you know, on the psychedelic ayahuasca self-awareness, self-mastery path. Mm -hmm. And so I met him at Art Basel in 2018. I saw him buying a painting for $20,000. And I was like looking at this guy. I'm like, who is this dude that like has $20,000 to spend on a painting, right? Right. And um, mm -hmm. so I followed his story and I knew him from the Elite Daily shit after I found him. I was like, oh shit, he owns Elite Daily. But then I saw like the progress of this like, oh, you're like woke. You're like into the same shit as me. Like, right. So then he opened up this <clears> class <throat> for this conscious leaders mastermind that he was doing do, doing during quarantine, which, you know, uh, intrigued me. Um, and the thing I liked most about it was that like I respected him because he had the ability to change and transform. Like he used to have this like whatever thing that was like kind of like a bar stool, right. you know, and now he's like just such a beautiful human. So I saw that I applied for it. I had all the criteria. The one thing I didn't have was that I didn't make a quarter million dollars a year. So I lied about it um, because I wanted to elevate myself too. I wanted sure. to be in a position where I'm around. Oh, so you have to apply to go to this. Retreat. Well, it was $10,000 I had to pay. Gotcha. I pretty much paid for a semester at college. My parents yeah. thought I was fucking nuts. I was like, I paid $10,000 to be in FITM. I went to a fashion school like for grad school for a yeah. semester because I was making clothing at some point too. And that hurt me. When I spent that $10,000, I was like, oh, shit, thank God my parents paid for college. This shit is hurts to spend this much money. You know, like I didn't get anything out of that. So because I had had that experience where I had paid $10,000 for grad school before, they didn't really do anything for me. I was like, this is a semester of school. I'm going to do it. You know, like everybody around me was like, you're fucking nuts. But again, I didn't listen to them. That's the freedom of listening to yourself. So... Um, yeah, I did it and it was the best decision I've ever made in my entire fucking life because I credit that to every portal I've unlocked. Like from that, I realized being a chameleon is my superpower. Um, my free spirit is the thing that is like a superpower of mine too. That's going to like help, you know, yeah. inspire people. And so they really made me realize that like the things that I thought were holding me back are actually the things that are going to like bring me to this next level of what I'm yeah, trying to bring. It's part of your secret sauce. Exactly. What was the experience like? The retreat itself? The um, the retreat was, we were in Tulum for three days. Um, it was really fucking nuts, dude. Um, can I charge my phone? Because it's on uh, like uh, not a lot. 
Um, and I want to um, have this on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yana, is that possible? Uh, my phone charger that's in the room, it has a USB-C cable. That one would be perfect. But us. anyways, I'll continue telling you. So basically, um, the retreat, uh, we did holotropic breath work. Mm -hmm. It was very, very... Um, uh, we couldn't... For, okay, so it was three days long, mm -hmm. right? And no alcohol, no drugs at all. Um, eating, I think it was pretty much like... The sound is breaking so much. No sound. What's up, guys? Do you hear me now? Do you guys hear me, though? Because I don't know. Anyways, um, so the retreat. Uh, no alcohol, pr pretty raw vegan diet, I feel like. Um, maybe not raw, but it was definitely like a vegan healthy diet, like ju juices. Was it know? an ayahuasca retreat? No, no drugs. I just said that. No oh. drugs. No. No drugs, no alcohol, like spiritual, getting high off of like natural things. So the first day we did holotropic breath work. Then we um, had masks and um, we had to put on the front of the mask, um, like the way the outside world sees us. And then in the inside of the mask, like the way we see ourselves or something, then we had to break the mask. Ooh. Then we had to write letters to our inner child. And then we had to write a letter with our non-dominant hand um from our inner child to ourselves now and that's another thing that unlocked it to me because like wow. i am the star i am the main character and like i feel like um that brought me back into that so right now i'm writing a tv series um and i actually had a it's funny because i had a mushroom trip earlier last year as well where i had this like breakthrough of like oh my god i'm the fucking voice like i am i am it i am the brand mm -hmm. you know and so I guess what the retreat did for me too was realize my personal brand and how like anything you do that that is the brand, you know? Yes. So um It's funny because you can have that feeling on the inside, but sometimes you think maybe it's just me, you know, and you and you want the world yeah. to perceive you a certain way. But when you have that unlockment, I feel like in this last year I had a very similar experience as well. Right. Both through one through psychedelics and one through a seminar that I went to as well, where yeah, it's like I just realized how much I love my value. Cause I think for a while there, I was just focused on everything I was doing wrong, you know? Cause I was like, I'm so hard on myself and I want to get better and better at everything. So I have such a list of like, well, I need to improve all these things. Right. And I was too busy focused on things I need to improve that I wasn't noticing what I already had, you know? And exactly. when I went to the seminar, it just made me realize that I am worthy, that I am enough. It's all comes back to self-worth and self-love, like knowing your fucking worth. That was what happened to me in the last year too. Like now I know my worth and I'm so fucking unstoppable that like, it's crazy. I don't like you guys will see. I don't even need to talk about it, but it's like no, no. I I feel it. Yeah, it may sound weird when you talk about it, but it's not in a in a in a braggy. It's way. not in a braggy it, way. It, it really is in a in realizing that hey, that I am enough. It's not that I am better exactly. than anybody else. It's exactly. Like, no, no, no. It's that we, I am worthy totally. of achieving that that the things that I want to achieve and exactly. for going for the goals that I have. Because sometimes it feels it almost feels like it's brash for you to have goals that are too big. Right? Fuck like, them. You, you know you know what I mean? Fuck them. Like when you tell people that you want to be a director on the cover of Playboy, they'll, they'll act like, you know, who are you to think that? It's like, no, th this is what, what I'm you here mean? to do. You'll see. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So it all comes back to having that unwavering belief in yourself. And so like, so I was telling you that I used to work with my ex-boyfriend, right? And then when me and my ex broke up, which I broke up with him because ultimately I wasn't happy in that anymore. But sure. like. We had a 20 year plan for what we were gonna do with our lives. Like this was our company together. We have matching half sleeves. Like we were on a fucking like, we were on a path. 
That's funny. And I was like, this is not, I'm, this is, it was extremely toxic. I don't even think I knew what toxic meant at that point in my life. But like, it was just, I got out of it, right? Um, And it was really hard for me to do because like, I gave him my dream. Like our production company was called Pangean. And, um, you know, I gave that away to him, to us, right? Um, but ultimately, I was like, I'm not happy. So after that happened, when we broke up, I didn't work for eight months. Nobody would hire me because I had no work by myself. Like, even though I had done a half a million dollar project with Trey songs, oh, you directed it with someone else? I don't, we can't trust you. Yeah, they don't believe that you were the actual director right, or whatever. Right, right. So then luckily I got, you know, I got a job, but... Well, but even during that time, my parents were like, I don't think my parents even believed it was me. They were like, maybe you should go for something else. And I was so mad. I was like, I fucking knew you guys didn't think it was fucking me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was so angry. I was like, wow, you know, it's crazy because I feel like I've always been an underdog. And because I've always been such like a free, goofy spirit or whatever, I feel like people never really saw my value or my worth because I wasn't taking things seriously. It's like somebody who has that much fun can't be that smart. Right, right. No, <laughs> bitches. My fun is what's so fucking great about me. And you're going to learn today. You can make your life a little bit more fun and you can still be a boss ass fucking bitch. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, yeah, I think like, you know, I remember when I was 17, my friend's parent um, looked at me and she was like, what is she going to do with her life? And like those moments, I feel like having that underdog mentality or not mentality, like ha being perceived the way I was perceived made sure. me feel like an, like I never won a single award for anything. Like, you know, I would I would. um write poetry never want to uh, never was in like the, the poetry book for my school you know um in dance like we won the competitions like national competitions but like i was in the second row i was in drama but i was never like the lead of a play you know and so i feel like all that like that gave me the like underdog drive of like really wanting to prove it to them but i think in the end it's really proving it to myself and so now i'm past proving it to other people i think i've already proved myself to other people but like, like they were like, oh, you're so successful. I'm like, this is success. You don't know what's success. It's this like, is you ain't seen nothing. <laughs> like, just get, I feel the same way. I yeah. feel like it's funny because we were just talking about it. Like this has been my, my best year ever and I'm more successful now than I've ever been. And I feel like I'm just getting started. Exactly. I feel like everything I've been now has basically been practice. I'm like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Now you're I'm really like, going for it. Now I'm really cooking, you know? And, I feel that too. But I think at a certain point, once you achieve, so many things back to back mm -hmm. and the goalpost just keeps moving further back and then you realize it's like oh i'm capable of achieving things you've proven it to yourself exactly many times now it's just a matter of what are you going to aim for totally no exactly so yeah it's ex and it's exciting uh, it's an exciting time to be me in this body i feel i can feel it you're radiating oh thank you what are two things you love about yourself um, my unwavering belief in myself, number one, and my determination and drive. Perseverance, actually. What does that mean to you? My perseverance? Yeah. That, like, I fall down ten times, I'm gonna get back up on that horse, obviously, like. What are some other times you've fallen that were significant where you learned something? Um, I mean, every single time I get rejected for a, a video, obviously, um, having... You know, having my concepts stolen under me and directed by Virgil Abloh, that happened. Um, R.I.P., he's a fucking genius. But EXO Tour Life, I uh, wrote a music video treatment for that. And they took three ideas out of my treatment. They took So at, at that time, that was right after me and my ex had broken up. So we were still kind of like, you know, we were getting pitched for the same shit. 
And so it's so weird. That was the one treatment that we shared with each other, what we wrote. And they stole one idea from his and three ideas from mine. Um, and, you know, labels do that. They mine ideas. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, us, us, like, that was a big, that was the biggest thing that happened to me in terms of break, like, getting down and coming back up is, like, that eight-month period where I had to really reinvent myself and, you know, show the world who I was by myself. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, every fucking day, like, my, my mom looks at me, she's like, I don't know how you do it. Like, the amount of rejections you get in this industry, like, you have to have such strong, thick skin to believe in yourself and know that, like, it's just, it's okay. In the car, you told me a story that would make the 17-year-old version of you so proud so happy and as a matter of fact it's making the 17 year old version of me really proud of you and excited for you because mm -hmm. you got to meet and connect with an artist that we're both a fan of yes tell us a story who is it and i what did happened? okay so atmosphere um they were my favorite rappers when i was like senior year of high school i mean it's a rapper and a producer but like they're my favorite group yeah um yeah like i know every single word to every single song and it was crazy because uh, Valentine's Day 2020, I was in a super toxic, shitty situation. I was drunk, like in the back of a club. And I guess I had just like put a music video out and I commented on it. And I was like, it would be my dream to work with you guys. Like, oh, my God, whatever. The next morning I wake up and I get a message from Slug and he's like, your videos are dope. Let's work. And I'm like, what? Um, and so, yeah, now we have a great friendship. I ended up doing a video for them. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy because like of all the cool shit I've done, like the thing that my 17 year old self would be the most like, what? You fucking did a video for Atmosphere? You have Slug's number? So you call him Sean? Sean is hitting you up and saying he misses you? Like, what the fuck? Like, so yeah, that shit is crazy. Um, I love him so much. I think they're amazing. I have a playlist on my Spotify, Atmosphere Absolutes. I actually got to interview him for my um podcast my instagram live show called do you boo that was another like incredible moment you know um yes. so yeah like that's so amazing yeah making your idols your friends is like that's the coolest fucking thing about doing what you love and it's funny because i'm sure you've probably worked with people that are bigger than him oh yeah i mean a lot of people don't know who he is it, like it's so funny but to you exactly. that was the most important one exactly like, it's so funny because i asked him like what he wanted i don't remember like i asked him he was like you're the star here you're the one and i'm like i'm the star and it's so funny because I told my mom, he said that. And my mom was like, they're not famous in our house. They were like the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's amazing. I love that. What's another happy moment in your career? I know I know you you enjoy the whole process, but what are some specific highlight happy moments for you? Um, getting on the best music videos of 2019 list. That was really dope. Um, what else is dope? I mean... Oh, working with Jesse Torero, Cinema Giants. Yeah. That was fucking legendary. I met Jesse at Soho House. I walked up to him. I was like shaking. The girl that I was with was like, I've never seen you so nervous. And then like now Jesse's a mentor of mine. That's um, amazing. Obviously like Nicky Jam, Maluma, Trey Songs, like all these people that I like grew up listening to. I mean, I didn't grow up listening to Maluma, but like me and Maluma have the same birthday. Yeah, yeah. So like, and we were both wearing sparkly silver shoes on set. So like that was a little sick moment. Recently, I got signed to a commercial production company, Art Class, and this is the power of Instagram and social media. Um, I was doing an Instagram Live, and she had been following me for three years, and like something like that, like since um, Tia Tamara, and I didn't even know she was in the business, really. Like, I never like really paid attention, you know? Yeah. And so she was just like, would you ever do commercials? I was like, fuck yeah, I would do commercials. And 
then like, you know, a week or two later, she has an opportunity for me to do little yachty on a yacht uh, with <laughs> FaZe Clan and Totinos. And now I've been doing commercials. And we went to uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, which is Addison Ray's hometown and like shot with her and her whole family. That was pretty cool. I love like going abroad. Um, I love that. And another cool moment was working with real goats. Um, I did my In-N-Out Mulatto video with them. Real goats? Like you went to a farm? <laughs> yeah, I went to a farm. I went to a creative farm. Um, Real goats did all the babies stuff. And um, the baby was on my vision board because I like, thought I really wanted to work with him. Um, but what I really wanted to do was work with Real Goats because like, I love their production. And oh, they make his videos? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so James Rico, um, he's you know the director at Real Goats. He was like another really big mentor for me because like when we were in the process of making that video, like he pushed me to my limits. He was like, get a beat sheet. I want to see like you know like he made me like he made me like want to put a narrative, funny element into the script. Like he just made me work my brain like harder, yeah, better, show up harder, more as a director, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so you know like and now that uh, mentality of the way he showed me like I. Now that's a constant, you know, in the way I do videos and do anything. For people who don't know, like I know we both do this, but I haven't shared it and I want you to. What is your process in making music videos? Like, like how does it work? Label uh, calls your rep. You get um, a call. Like, yeah. So I actually like also get a lot of um, people just hitting me up directly. But yeah, I have reps, my production company. I mean, like, you know, there's all these different neural pathways of how I will get the the, the, call. the brief. Yeah. Because you get a brief, so it's like, okay, we have $75,000 to do this. It could be shot in L.A. or Miami. Um, open brief. Or they'll say anywhere in the world, but it needs to be a sexy summer jam. And we have to shoot it in a pool. Sometimes, like, the thing that's really exciting for me about making music videos is that every project is different, you know, and I'm always going to learn something on set because, yeah. like, you're never going to do the same creative twice, you know. You're right. never going to have the same situation twice. Right. Um. And so, yeah, it's really a mixed bag on how much information they're going to give you that they want. Sometimes they're like the artist. The worst is when you have to co-direct with an artist because <laughs> what that means is that, like, the artist thinks that they're a director and they're fucking not most of the time. And, like, they just want you to get their vision, but, like, you don't really have so much creative control because they have this, like, specific exact way they want it. And it's like, of course, you do get to... But it's like it's not the same, you know, because it's like, it's like you putting your so, so yeah. So yeah. sometimes they really give you like a specific thing, but I mean, most of the time it's from my own brain completely. Um, Do you like writing ideas, writing treatments, put them together? Uh, it depends. I mean, the process sometimes can be very tedious. Like for Tia and Tamara, I wrote that in four days, and it was like my head was fucking hurting. Tia and Tamara from Sister Sister. Doja Cat and Rico Nasty. Oh, okay. So that was the video that was on the best of the year list. Dope. But it took me four days to write that treatment. And I feel like people don't even, like, realize the extent of, like, they think you just, like, make a music video and it pops up. Like, no, there's a lot of brain power that goes into it. And so then when you don't get a music video treatment, you don't get paid to write the ideas, you know? So there's a lot of, like, tedious shit that goes down when you don't get it. Yeah. Um, so it depends. Then I did a Maluma Steve Aoki video, and I wrote that concept in four hours. How'd you like working with Maluma? I loved Maluma. I just told you we have the same birthday. We were both in sparkly silver shoes. How's like, he in person? He's great. He's a vibe. He was great. I mean, that day was honestly like one of my worst days on set, though, because our vibe was going so perfect. Like it was dope. And then um, we were at an Egyptian restaurant in New York shooting and the owner of the restaurant decided to say that uh, Maluma's bodyguard had a gun on him. He had never seen the gun. 
he was really racially profiling. He was like, oh, some Colombian rapper. Calling Maluma a rapper? Yo, Maluma's <laughs> Justin Bieber, bro. Like, he's not a fucking rapper. Like, right. So, yeah, like, he got into it with my AD. Like, there was, like, a huge, like, fight that went down, basically. Like, Maluma left early. And it's not... I'm, I made a mistake there, but I learned because, like, I should have gone up to Maluma. Like, Maluma was, like, sitting in the corner, like on where our set was, you know what right, I mean? Right. And I'm, like, in the thick of it with everyone else. And now I know, like, because Maluma's, um, like, manager, someone was like, you should have gone up to him. And I'm like, she taught, she was a woman, and she was, like, just, like, woman to woman, like, you fucked up, basically. Yeah. And so now I've, um, I would know not to do that again. But, like, I didn't even think about it in the moment. Like, oh, yeah, how are you doing? You're a human. Like, what's up with you? You yeah. know? So that was a lesson I learned there. And he didn't leave early because he wanted to leave. It's like kind of like when you're such a superstar, yeah. the bigger the star you work with, the higher the stakes and the higher the level of like people around them that don't really even let you get that close to them. Right. Which is why it's also like, do I go up to the artist? But now I know, fuck it. I am the artist too. Of course I go up to the artist. Like yeah. you're a human, I'm a human. What's good? Yeah. You know? So it was learning experience. Everything's a learning experience. And that goes back to the feeling of worthiness. Exactly. So now I know, like, I think at that point, I, yes, I wasn't tapped into my self-worth at that point, you know, like I knew obviously like, ah, okay, well they hired me for my creative. That's fucking fire. But I think it's like, it's an unconscious thing knowing your self-worth. Yeah. Like I thought I didn't even think about knowing my self-worth in that moment. You know, like I didn't know that I didn't know my self-worth. It's not conscious. That's what I'm saying. It's an unconscious thing being tapped into your self-worth, you know? Yeah. So then once you unlock that, like, oh, shit, I wasn't conscious, you become aware. Or you don't. I don't know. But I did. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to do with your career other than filmmaking? Um, I'm going to have a theme park. I'm pretty much the 21st century Walt Disney. Um, my biggest thing in life that's my biggest, like, mark that I want to make on the planet is make my theme park. You're dead serious? Why would I lie about that? Yeah, I'm like pitching it right now, but it's like a hundred. It's probably a billion dollar idea. So, you okay. know, but yeah, during the pandemic, because I always thought my theme park was going to be something I was going to do when I was like in my 40s. I don't know if it's a mixture of the pandemic and my Saturn return happening right now. But I was like, why the fuck would I wait? Like I'm starting now. So I already started decking it out, um, talking to people. I actually met an Imagineer on the plane because the minute that you start talking yes. about the shit you want in the world, the world will give you that shit. Yes. So, I mean, I'm super early on in the process of making it happen, but I, I, I'm I, actually working with an animator in the Netherlands, too, to, like, create, um, you know, like, a pitch, like, a little, like, one-minute, like, proof-of-concept situation right now. What do you have so far? I'm not fucking revealing that shit. Just know <laughs> that it's a... So, I learned, I learned a lot from Disney World growing up as a kid. I mean, Walt Disney, to me, is, like, he's the most important yeah. revolutionary person in, in like... The way he made animation and art form, the way he made like theme parks, like I learned so much from Walt, from going to Disney World growing up, you know. Um, and so I feel like I want to. My three E's, my three pillars are educate, uh, entertain, and elevate. Mm, I love that. So, or we change them. It's elevate. Sorry, engage, entertain, and elevate. We were changing them around the last couple of days, but yeah, that's the concept, you know, like. I want to entertain people. I want to educate them. And I want to fucking elevate their brains. Yeah. So, and so through my theme park, I know that I can mold the youth into like the real shit. You know, just know that everything you know about me, like those are the types of concepts we're bringing into this theme park. You know, it's going to be a theme park you've never seen before. It's a theme park for adults, for kids, like, that's yeah. it's so funny because we have so many similarities. When I was a kid, before I wanted to do videos, I wanted to design roller coasters. Shut the fuck up! 
fuck up, I yo. Used to watch, Shut the fuck up. I used to watch the Discovery Channel specials where they would go to different theme parks around the world and they would break down why this roller coaster was the first stand-up yeah. coaster or the first, you know, inverted roller coaster or whatever. I used to design them because I wanted to design experiences for people. Exactly. I wanted to create something that they would go through. And okay, like, oh. cool. We'll, we'll be in talks and you'll really fuck with my idea. But, you know, you can't talk about it too much because then, you know, James Cameron watches this and he's off to the fucking races. So. Did you ever play Roller Coaster Tycoon? Of course I played Roller Coaster Tycoon. I'm a that Roller was, Coaster ner- nerd. Yo, that was my game. Me I and my like, sister used to play that. That was our favorite game. Yeah, yeah. Building the theme parks. Um, yeah, I, can, I mean, I can give you one one idea that I ha- okay. have. Um, so, like, uh, you know the, like, double twister roller uh, roller coasters? Yeah. So I'm going to make, like, a DNA double helix roller coaster like that. Oh, that's sick. So that's, like, the vibe of the theme park, you know? That's sick. Things like that. I love that. Um, Should I give you one more ride? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, give it to us. Yeah. It's like a drop ride that goes through the colors of the chakras. Ooh. Yeah, so that's, like, the, the theme, the... You know, I'm gonna give the give the kids the spirituality and the new ageness right out the womb. Those are the bigger kid rides. You know, there's smaller baby rides too, but there is no cap on what we can do as creatives. Absolutely not. You know, I think a lot of times we get put into boxes of saying like, exactly. I am a director or I am a this, and that, that is one of the things that you do. Exactly, it's one of the expressions. Mm-hmm. But if you're a creator, you're just a creator. Put you in the desert, you start making up, making sand stuff. Like, it's just literally like we like we're in a big fucking playground and like this is our our <laughs> our little sandbox, baby. Pick up the sand, throw it, make a sandcastle, do what you want. You know, like yeah. you, are, you are the director of your own life. Like, do you ever think that ideas are born through us via desires? Via what? Desires. Like, like in my mind, I think that the way you would imagine, let's say, Theoretically, like a baby would want to be born, mm-hmm. right? And it would, like, let's say if God or the universe wanted a baby to be born and they w- it would make these two people fall in love to make that baby, right? In theory. I think ideas are like that too. That, totally. you know, this park that you have already exists and it wants to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. And it's putting that desire in you. Got it. To see if you will birth it, if you will give birth to it. Like, do you think that great ideas, that's what I think. I feel like great ideas, they come to me. Like, sometimes they're just, like, they just want to come through. Like, like they exist in yeah, the ether. Yeah, I also think that, like, through our lived experiences, ideas, like, are in our sphere, I guess. Like, I feel like, I don't want to say, like, yes, I think ideas don't just spring from inside us. I think it's a mixture of, like, within us and above us, like, coming into this, like, perfect. And also around us, yes. I think that we're all spheres. We're all, like, little circles and, like, bubbles. And, like, you have to pop the bubble to, like get inside it you know so because i feel like for example with the theme park it's like it's a mixture of like all my psychedelic experiences yeah my my love of disney world and growing up going to amusement parks you know being the type of person i am where i believe in limitless fucking possibility um and i know that this theme park is meant to be my creation and my contribution to the world and i mean that with all seriousness and so um yeah you're not going to see it tomorrow you'll probably see it in 10 years you know Hopefully you'll see it in 10 years. It might take 15, 20 years. But like it's something that I need to start now. Like James Cameron, Avatar came to him in a dream 25 years before he made the fucking movie. Yeah. Because he didn't have the budget. He did, The VFX weren't available yet at that time. So, you know, you can never put things fully on the background. You have to always be manifesting and thinking. I came up with this theme park idea in 2013. And I have been writing more rides and more, not only rides, experiences, as you said, more like things that are a part of this park for the last eight years. But it was in the pandemic... And also meeting all these millionaires and billionaires in my group that are like into the same things as I am where I'm like, wow, like 
if I put together a killer fucking proposal and like meet the right people, like build it and they will come, you know? So I yeah. think it's, yeah. But yes, I do believe that like ideas flo make their way like floating into the human that is meant to propel it to into put existence. It, put it into action, yes. yeah. Um, let's talk about psychedelics. <laughs> let's go. My first experience, good experience with it was maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I didn't do any drugs. I didn't even get drunk or high till I was like in my twenties. Okay. Um, but then I, you know, moved to LA and definitely went through the whole party phase and trying everything. But when I did uh, psychedelics, I had a really powerful acid trip like five years ago, where I looked at myself in the mirror and I told myself I love you, and I was giving myself self love, and I was, and I, and I was looking at myself like like in third person. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I was just appreciating myself. And I was like, hey, man, you're doing a good job. And I, I was that. like, hey, like, I would cry and I would just be nice to myself. And I started realizing that I had been a people pleaser and that I wasn't really living authentically. Right. You know, and uh, once I started on that journey, I, I really developed a beautiful relationship with psychedelics. You know, it's something that. I, I feel like connects me to more of the truth sometimes. Totally. I couldn't agree more. So it's really interesting you say that because the first time I did psychedelics, I was 17. And I was doing mushrooms in my friend's backyard. And I just had, I was looking at the people I was around and I just had such immense gratitude for the friends that I had in that moment. And like, not only the friends I had, like I remember my friend was playing the guitar and like, you know, the, the music and the stars. I mean, we were in Brooklyn, so there wasn't too many stars, but like, you know, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, three yeah. stars in the sky were really <laughs> glowing. Um, yeah, I just felt like just immense gratitude. Like that was the first um, key feeling that I had. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, acid and mushrooms have given me, they've opened up portals in my brain, expanded my consciousness, um, helped create my path. I mean, I'm pretty sure I got the download. So me and my ex um, did, uh, we went to Disneyland on acid. I've been to Disneyland on acid four times now. Um, both my exes and I <laughs> have gone to Disneyland on acid because now it's just my thing. But um, I was interning at Ben Stiller's production company, Red Hour. Okay. And my job as an intern was, as luck would fucking have it, like they didn't fucking know I was the right person for this, was to transcribe the interviews of all, so you know that movie Bad Trip? Or not bad. Have a good trip. It's called. It's all these different celebrities talking about their. Oh, their, like, yes. So yes, I yes. transcribed the really? um, the Netflix show and yes. it had like ASAP Rocky and, um, and everybody. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a, it's a, it was a movie. I think it's a documentary. Yeah, documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw it. yeah. Um, so I was transcribing all those interviews, and so Barbie Benton, she was like a big groupie in the seventies. She <laughs> was saying she was like, I mean, back in the day, if you didn't do, if you didn't go to Disneyland on acid, you weren't even a fucking hippie. Like that was yeah. like your gateway drug into being accepted into the community. I was like. Oh my God, we have to go do this. Like what? <laughs> and so I actually, I actually came up with one of my, a video um, on the Cars ride because the Cars ride reminded me of Route 66. And I was like, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. And then we went and did that. And in that, in that music video, I actually gave a cameo and like dropped acid in my friend's uh, <laughs> mouth. But um, I actually think that my concept for my theme park was birthed on doing acid in Disneyland. Wow. So yeah, and separate of that too. I mean, yeah, like what we were talking about before, like. It's very, you know, yeah, you just expand your consciousness so much. And it's really interesting because I was getting into this, like really into this, you know, my junior, senior year of college, I feel like I don't think I've ever done mushrooms or acid, not in a way that was like, 
me growing if that Same. makes sense like every every time i've done it i've had some kind of breakthrough yes about something in life right so i remember 2013 um i was at the psychedelic science conference um oh wow it's maps and you know back then they were talking about all the things that are happening now they were talking about then like ketamine being uh, for depression mushrooms for ocd like all this shit and i was making a documentary about it that also with this new team i hired i think we're gonna you know, actually, because I was interviewing fantastic people. I interviewed uh, Dennis uh, Dennis McKenna. He's Terrence McKenna's brother. So oh, they, okay, yeah, He's yeah. a mycologist. So he was like the first, they were the first white people to go into the Amazon and do ayahuasca. You oh, know, shit. And everything. So a lot of amazing people, like the uh, the um, couple that created MDMA, I interviewed them. Wow. Um, yeah, and then one of them died like the next year, Sasha Shulgin. So anyway, so I was like really deep into that community. And I remember my parents thinking it was a phase. My mom was like, this is so childish. Like, you know, like, and for a, a little bit of time, I like housed that a little bit, you know? I mean, I always talk about acid and whenever I'm, I'm never going to shy away from like how important those fucking things are to me because that's not cocaine. It's not alcohol. Right. You it's, know, it's, it's a different it's the, experience. It's the things that change your life the most that the government is going to say. You can't do. No, thank you. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I remember me thinking like, you know, I guess like in the last two years or so, I've been like, no, this isn't a fucking phase. Like I was right. I, my soul knew when I was 21 years old, like this is not a phase. This is like something that really can help humanity. Yes. And like John Hopkins is having studies is saying that shrooms right. are like one of the best things to cure depression. And it, it's nature. Like it's like, you know, mushrooms stem from nature. Like, do you know the theory about um, that language came from mushrooms? That, like that we were the stone apes like theory like the it might like, be called the stone ape theory like the cavemen um ate mushrooms and that's how sound was born because they like wanted to describe what the sun was and they were like would make a sound for sun and like you know they made a sound for wood or whatever <laughs> i believe that because every time i take it i feel like i'm inventing something <laughs> exactly <laughs> it makes you look at things like it's the first time like dude look at my hands yeah. um yeah, you know, for me, I was really into personal development and psychology as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I did that first so that when I did psychedelics, I had a framework to work with. Interesting. You know, so when I would do mushrooms, I would think to myself, okay, what are limiting, I would consciously say, what are limiting beliefs that I have that I want to change right now? Then I would have it and then I would feel those limiting beliefs changing. Then I would journal about it and I would almost like be my own therapist with that because Sick. I like studying and that kind of stuff, you know, because we're all just... We are a result of how we react to our environment. Totally. That's all we are. And most of personal development is just undoing things from our childhood, right? Undoing all the negative blocks uh, that we put in. It's just you it's know? unlearning, period. Unlearning. Because it's not, yes, of course, childhood and home and everything, but like, you know, what they teach you in school, the way you're like, you know, the, the environment around you. Like, you know, I grew up in New York, right? And so in New York, they tell you, like, New York's the best place in the world. You're never going to love any city as much as you love this city. Like, they have such a, like, yeah. elitist mentality in New York that I can't fucking stand. And it's crazy because, like, you know, I'm very grateful to have grown up in New York. But, like, even growing up, like, I knew I wanted to leave. Um, and I think that I... I just knew that there was something out there. Like, and I think maybe that was a part of me, like, rebelling against, like, is this the best place in the world? Is it? Um, and, you know, New York's a great place, but I don't think there's one great, I don't think there's one best place in the world. I think there's, like, like the well, world is amazing. It depends on what you want to do. If you want to live on a farm, New York's not the best place No, but in general, I mean, yeah. I think there's amazing cities. New York's not the only amazing city in the world. Like, to me, the most important thing you could do for yourself is leave your hometown. Yes. You know, like, no matter what your hometown is, like, 
you will gain so much more like you your brain will just expand and grow because you're going to be in a situation that you know is different for you yes and so it's all about bursting the bubble yeah you know i was telling you earlier you know i moved around so much my whole life because my parents were dancers we went right. from brazil to cleveland to kentucky to chicago and moved around to different neighborhoods within those cities right. so i changed schools every time and then i went from chicago to new york to san diego back to chicago back to la and um every time i go somewhere it just makes me realize like oh there's no rule that says you have to be here right you know exactly like oh i can just pick up and go there's no rule do that you says do you do you have like a pivotal point in your life that like made you uh you know realize your i don't know everything like do you, do you know the pivotal moments, I guess, where your life changed? I think there were different moments at different ages. Of I course. always knew I was going to be a creator. Okay. Ever since I was a kid, I would hog the family camcorder. All the home videos would be like, no, dad, this is the angle to I get. Love and that. that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. I thought I invented editing when I was a kid. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't have a computer, but I had two VCRs and a PlayStation. So I would record clips of skaters on TV on one VCR and then put the RCA cord from the PlayStation to have wow. music going in, and I would like tape switch between two VCRs and a PlayStation. That's crazy. And cut it like that. I swear to God, in my mind, I thought I figured it out, you know? And then um, and then I started skating, and then at the skate park was where everything changed because it was the only place where I had consistent friends because I moved schools all the time, but the skate park was a bunch of misfits. It's, you know, I was like 12, 13 years old, and I had friends in their 20s, and right. they were all making skate videos and making T-shirts and traveling and... It, it was such a free lifestyle that I was like, okay, this is my community right here, you know, where there's no rules at the skate park, there's no training, you just show up, you do stuff, and if you're cool, if you're good at what you do, you get to hang out with the big kids, you know? So when I was 12, I didn't have 12-year-old friends, I had 20-year-old friends. Got it. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course you do videos, of course you sell t-shirts, right. and learn Photoshop, and learn Premiere, that's just what it is, you know? But then when we moved to Chicago, I uh, met a director on MySpace. And this guy named Morocco Vaughn, he's my mentor still to this day, actually. And I think I was uh, 14 at the time. Mm -hmm. And I started doing behind the scenes for his music videos. At 14, that's at so 14. Dope. Oh, my God. I got to go on set and see like a real production, you know, that's sick. the big cameras and everything. And then my breakthrough happened when he gave me the raw footage for the behind the scenes, like of the actual music video from the real camera, but for me to cut into the to the BTS. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, this is my shot. So I re-edited the music video, too. I gave him my version of it. And when he came back the next week, I was like, yo, check out my version of the video. He was like, what? And I was like, no, no, I didn't release it. I didn't leak it. I just want to show you, you know, what I could do with it. And it was like the longest three minutes of my life. Right. Just obviously. watching him watch this. Even still now, I'm like, when I show someone a music video, I'm like. You know, it's like, oh, my God, you know. And I was like, did I, did I step too far? Was I being too ambitious? And at the end of it, he didn't even say anything. He just picked up the phone. And I was like, oh, man, he's being super quiet. I'm probably in trouble. And he called the artist. And he's like, yo, we got to send a new version of the video to BT. Ah! Wait, so your first music video that you, like, edited and, like, was out was when you were 14? Wow, yeah. you're a prodigy. That's yeah. crazy. So then from that moment, I just started working with him after school all the time. And then when I was 16, I just dropped out of high school, got an online degree. But it was just some website. A GED. Not even. It was just a website you pay, like, 200 bucks to, and they give you a certificate. Okay. And apparently it counts. Um, you don't even have to take a test. And uh, and now I was just working full time, you know, and just as an intern, as an editor, as a shooter, doing whatever. And then I got a job doing a skate video. That Like you meeting Atmosphere was me doing the skate video. Because as a skater in that world is so niche that meeting the pro skaters is like, like they're like legends. And right. I got to go on a world tour with them. 
and travel wow. and become best friends with them for like two years. And then after that, I was like, fuck it, I'm moving to LA. And then I came out here and that's where this all started. I mean, it's I came here with one month's worth of rent, mm-hmm. no job lined up, but I had met a producer at a Drake concert in Chicago. Cause me and my sister like to go to rap shows. Okay. So I took her to a rap show and I saw a guy in the audience that looked important. And I was just It's like, all about that. I should talk to that guy. Exactly. Ended up making friends with him. He was a producer for Tyga, who was the opening act at the time. And then when I moved to LA, I called him up. He introduced me to Tyga. And I did a free World Star video. Like, it's funny, we have such similar stories. My first video, and then blew up on World Star, got millions of views. I didn't have any money. Wow. But right. I, I was Tyga's guy. Exactly. You know? And then I had okay, no I didn't money know you for. Came up with Tyga. Okay. Yeah. And then after the first month, I did two videos for him, and then I couldn't pay rent. I was like, dude, I'm out of money. I like working with you, but I need money. He was like, yeah, well, I'm about to go on tour with Diddy. Do you want to come be our videographer? And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> and that's how I paid my second month's rent. Was See, going on tour with it's them. It's all fucking possible if you just like and just showed. I was like, you know what? Show if, up. Exactly. If I'm broke in Chicago, might as well be broken out. You know, show up there. Totally. And and do what I came for. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love it. Moving to LA was the best decision I ever made. I love that. Yeah, I think the same for sure. Yeah. I mean, I've made a lot of good decisions, but this is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I. I. To me, being creative just feels like such a natural part of life. What's your animal? If you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? An eagle. An eagle? Why would you be an eagle? So I could fly. I like seeing the visuals from up high. I have uh, flying dreams all the time. My dreams are epic, Mission Impossible type dreams. I'm constantly flying. There's some bad guy after me. The FBI is coming. I have to go to the top of the building. There's a tidal wave coming. I have to shoot a missile down. It's like... I wake oh, up. wow. You like are like in there. No, I'm in there. You might have real. an avatar in you then because avatar was a dream. I told you. So like, you know, are, do you write your dreams down? No, I talk about them. You, know, you got to write the them down, man. You talk about a lot of things and you forget the next day. You got to write them down. Yeah. Because well, then you'll also, you'll also see patterns in your dreams, you know, and like you'll recognize. Do you lucid dream? Um, sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Today, the technical challenges have been coming left, right and center. But I think it's a great message for what we do. Yeah, no, it right? happens. It's okay. In that. Life always comes. Life always comes no matter what. And to think that it's not going to, like to think that you're not going to have traffic in LA is silly. To go to the ocean and expect not to get seawater or to go to the desert and expect not to get sand in your shoes is silly. Yeah. It's all about the way you take it though, you know? Like are you going to be annoyed with their sand in your shoes or you're going to feel gratitude for like being on earth and being able to feel the sand on your feet? You know, some people don't have feet. Well, it's about the perspective. That's what I'm saying. It's all right? about perspective. Like, you and I love music, mm-hmm. right? We love music so much. Oh, yeah. We were blasting, blasting it on the here. We were having a little carpool karaoke. So then here's the perspective, right? There was this car horn. I don't know if you guys at home can even hear it, but there was this car alarm going in the background. And there's a part of me that could be annoyed with that. But then it's to say, hey, if I was deaf, I wouldn't hear that. But I wouldn't hear the songs I like either. Exactly. So to me, to, for me to hear that, there, there are deaf people that wish they could hear a car alarm. You know, that would be a joy for them to be able to hear totally. something, some part of life. And I think that helps me appreciate things that seem annoying in the moment. You know, like growing up, my little sister, um, she was practicing the violin and she sucked for like a year straight. You know, she got good afterwards, but the first year was like really, really bad. And she'd just be in the house. But I'm thinking, okay, well, if she was like dead or something, I would wish she was here playing her, her sh- shitty violin. Shitty right. violin, because it's a sign of life. Exactly. You know, or like when my dog's hair is everywhere and I gotta constantly vacuum it. It's like, yeah, but it's a sign of life. He's not gonna be here forever. And it's a sign of love. It is. You know? A dog is having love in the home. 
It is. An animal, you know? If you don't have an animal, I'm like, what's wrong with you? It's a little weird. So why do you have a cat, though? Uh, cats, I grew up a dog person. Like, I had six dogs growing up. Not at the same time. The most we had at once was four. But Jesus. I grew up with dogs. Um, I was in Mexico in 2012 during doing that documentary. I was there for the end of the world because that's, mm-hmm. like, what that documentary I made was about. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we were on a road trip through Mexico, and we found Maya in the Mayan ruins. And um, so I didn't really know, because my ex was more of like a cat person. I didn't really know what to do with her or whatever. You um, found your cat in the Mayan ruins? No, this is Stormy. Okay. Maya was eaten by a coyote behind my house in Beverly Hills. Oh. After, do you want to hear? Because sometimes acid fucks you. So, um, <laughs> so there's a lot of rules about, about doing psychedelics, too. Like, you know, you all have to take it at the same time. Yeah. You know, like you can't even take it 30 minutes after it because it's going to fuck the whole thing up. So that's what happened in this instance. But basically my ex, not the first one, the second one. <laughs> I'm writing a book about all this shit, so you guys will hear the whole story. But um, yeah, not like my last ex-boyfriend, um, he like was speaking in tongues, going crazy, like schizophrenic almost really, right? Um, and the last picture I had on my phone of my cat were the two of them together. And Maya at this point, like that was like the other... Like, I kept her, but, like, you know, like, that wasn't... But you did keep her from the Mayan I kept, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like, after me and my the ex that I got her with broke up, I kept that cat, and, like, they were bonding, the two of them, Oh, so right? it's almost like that frequency was still with you. It's weird. It's really weird, because I do feel like every part of me that I had with that person had to die. It's, like, fucked up, but that's, like... The, Yo, you know, she died doing what I she loved. She, she, was, she was a predator. She... You know, I couldn't keep her out of the outdoors. So anyway, so my ex was like going crazy, schizophrenic, losing his brain. And my cat goes out and, you know, you don't see fucking, like I live like in the street. Like I wouldn't think there'd be a, a coyote, you know what I mean? So we think that she sacrificed herself um, for him to release, to, to get his, no, to get his like uh, mental state back. Wow. She sacrificed herself. Yeah, I really believe it. I believe that. I, I believe in this weird poetic justice. Yeah. Poetic. Uh... And so now I, I really actually come to terms with it. Like if I have to choose if I'm a dog or a cat person, I'm a cat person. Like that's the unlearning we talk about. Because I used to feel guilty that I'm like, I don't know if I could say I'm a dog or cat person. I don't know. Like, like and I would be forced to <laughs> say I'm a dog person, but I'm really a cat person. Like me and Stormy, my, my new baby, um, who my best friend got for me. So it was like a year and a half after Maya died. Um, we got sibling cats. She found two cats like in like a runt of a litter and she gave us them. And it was like, so Stormy is my baby. And I've never felt such like a close connection with an animal because she's like my animal. And during the pandemic, we really bonded. Um, you know, I was giving her abandonment issues because I travel all the time, but we've worked through them. <laughs> so yeah, I love cats. Do you have a lot of friends here in LA? I have a lot of friends here in LA. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yes. Uh. I suppose. I mean, like, yeah. I. I. I would say I do. I think that in general, um, I've never been a group of friend type of person. I have a lot of like, this friend here, that friend there, that friend there. You same. Know? Same. And so the only time I've ever had a group of friends was in college. Um. We actually just recently got together. So one of my friends from that group of colleges in Long Beach, 
my two closest friends in LA live in Long Beach, ironically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I have, I definitely have a good like group of people here. I think it takes time in LA. It does. I think that the first year I didn't, I, you know, I mean, I came, I, the first year I was still like in Pangea land with my ex, like trying to build. So I didn't really branch out anyways. Right. But um, there's, it's not really that, um, yes, I definitely feel like I have a support system and I have people here, but it takes like, there's a lot of fucking weeding through the weeds and there's a lot of bullshit, man. Yes. There's people that are using you, abusing you. You don't know their intentions. Yes. And so I think that that's something I really learned from living here. Um, I have a lot of friends in L.A., but, you know, in general, like I, I feel like in general, there's a lot of close people that I love in the world. And some of them are here. But, you know, they're also in other places. Yeah. And so I feel like because of that's like the downfall of being such like a global <laughs> woman is that, you know, like I'll never live in the same place as all my closest people at the same time because they're so fucking scattered. Yeah. Same. I you mean, know? even within one city, like when I had my birthday party, most of my friends didn't know each other. Yeah, like, I love that. Know, like if 40 people show up, most of them but are from completely different pockets. That's the beautiful thing. You yeah. know, it's like I sometimes like. I see people that are still hanging out with the same people they were hanging out with when they were 17. And, like, that's their crew. And I'm just like, no growth. Like, how can you... And, it, of course, it's good to have friends that you've sure, had sure, since you sure. were 17. But I'm saying, like, if those are the people you're hanging out with every single day, like, you know, like, as an adult, like, that's your still your yeah. core crew. Like, how much are you growing? You know, like, how much are you learning and expanding if, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, because who we spend time with, it rubs off on us. Let's talk right. about mentors. We were talking outside Yeah, your about vibe this. attracts your tribe. Absolutely. So, um... What role have mentors played in your life? Expanding. Uh, just expanding my, my vision, expanding my brain. Um, molding me, you know, too, because I feel like... And I feel like, you know, having a mentor is like a two-way... It's a double-edged sword, or it's a two-way street is what I mean, because, like, you know... I'm a pusher. I push people like from Mean Girls. And mm -hmm. I've had people thank me profusely because of how much I've changed their life. But I've also lost friends because they weren't ready to hear the shit I was trying to say. And they were more comfortable in their little like box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so now I'm more selective who I spend my time on when I because my problem or it's not a problem. It's a gift, I guess. But I see the potential in everybody. Same. I see exactly. I see your highest self in you. Yes. You know, and that's actually fucked me in many ways too because it's like I'll see the highest self and then they go and like steal my shit from me because they weren't <laughs> acting in their highest self right 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 um and so some people like want to be pushed to their highest highest self and others don't and so I think when you have a mentor you need to recognize that like you have a mentor for a reason and it's because you want to push yourself to a higher version of you so but if you're not ready to be pushed to a higher version of you if you're not ready to be molded like the men you're wasting both your time and the mentor's time. And it's very frustrating to be in that position. Oh my God, there's to be nothing. the mentor pushing somebody who doesn't want to be pushed. Who doesn't want to listen, who doesn't want to hear it, who makes excuses. Like, oh my God, I can't stand it. Because that is me. I'm a mentor to so many fucking people in my life. And I cannot fucking stand it when they make these fucking excuses. Like, everything's an excuse. Shut the fuck up. Like, you're wrong. You can make it happen. Your, like, your brain just needs to be like a little turned inside out. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. I, I think some people just just totally. aren't ready. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. How do we fix that? How do we, or or is it that it's it's is there always supposed to be a balance of the universe? So like, not everybody's meant to be fixed because we still need like worker bees and sheep. Yeah, see, I, I I pondered that a lot myself too. 
you know, because I, I do see the potential in everybody. But then I also see the grace and the timing of life. Totally. Right? Because then I think Million back percent. to like all these things I wanted to work out when I was younger didn't perfectly not work out to put me where I am today. Right. Which is my favorite place I've ever been in life. Same. So I'm like, so maybe this person I'm trying to push isn't it's, meant to be pushed right, right now. Totally. Or maybe they're, they're not meant to wake up to it yet. Exactly. And five years from now, they'll get the lesson. Exactly. I do think that it's also like sometimes like a very slow thing for people you know and I mean even looking at myself now like I agree with you I'm also in the best place I've ever been I'm so fucking excited I'm turning 30 in January and I'm so fucking excited for this new decade of my life like I could cry I could literally cry because like all the hard work I put into the 20s all the fucking struggles all the like you know what we're just what we're talking about just now like people have come so in and out of my life and I know who I am I know that I've always had the best intentions that I come full force with love and some people don't want to accept love because that's not what they know you know what i mean um but you shouldn't stop expressing exactly i never will i what i'm saying is like i know who i am and i know like i've never wronged someone in a way that like i've never you know like been i'm not gonna say that I, i'm a perfect person obviously I accept making mistakes flaws. and wronging somebody are two different things exactly exactly so anyways but you know um i've had all this fucking shit happen to me and now a month before i turn 30 like I'm getting the perfect team together to build the fucking vision of everything I've ever wanted for myself like music videos is definitely a very great school you know but like that's and I love making music videos but there was a time when I was spending I was putting my own dreams on the back burner because I was writing for every single treatment that was coming my way yeah and so something else I've learned this year is just like the power in saying no Mm. and so I'm just really focused on like my own stories my own voice like building my vision and i know the 30s like we go in hollywood baby <laughs> hollywood swinging we remember and why we here you know so yeah it's an amazing time right now okay rapid fire talk section right now okay let's talk there's an up-and-coming creative who wants to do something but is feeling shy he's feeling scared but mm-hmm. they know they got something in them they want to express themselves creatively but they're hesitant what do you say to them jump <laughs> Gotta go, man. Time waits for no one, you know? What's the most common advice you give? Just do it. Go for it. The fear is the failure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just gotta fucking go, bro. Like, get out of your own head. It's almost like um, talking to the most attractive person in the room. Mm -hmm. Because they're the most attractive person in the room, they're probably the most intimidating person in the room. Technically, right? So then they actually have less people even going for them because m- most people are afraid to say, oh, I want to go exactly, for that person. Exactly, exactly. And it's like, so it's, as a matter of fact, the amount of people that don't even go for their dreams. It's, oh my God, it, it breaks my heart. It's insane. It really, but I just can never, like I remember there was a moment. This is a big pivotal moment for me. So when I was 17, um, you know, me and my friends would smoke pot, think about, we were like writing stoner comedies. I was always writing like, a funny dialogue in my phone. Yeah, yeah. But I was never putting it into a script. So my best friends at the time, um, they wrote a script. And because me, I see the potential in everybody, I was like, oh my God, you guys are going to be Judd Apatow. This is so good, <laughs> right? Um, and then when they were applying for college, they were a year older than me. When they were applying for college, they applied for biology. And I was like, wait, what? You're not going into film? You're not going into screenwriting? Needed to do the safe route, da-da-da. And even now, thinking about it, my heart sinks because I'm just like, 
yo, like you really had, like you made me feel like I'll never be as talented as you. And now I'm here doing it. And so recently, I mean, when I say recently, probably like two or three years ago, I hit them up and I was like, would you ever want to write screenplays again? And they were like, that pipe dream is just such a far out dream. Like they couldn't even think about that anymore. And I'm just like, that was the moment when he told me he was going for biology. That was the moment where I was like, nah, that will never be me. Like I am doing like what i couldn't i literally could not fathom how you don't go after your passion especially with if they have a passion yeah like it's crazy but so many people don't go yes i feel like every i believe that everybody has passion in life Mm -hmm. every single person has a passion and a purpose it's just about like whether they're awakened to the purpose but being awakened to the purpose comes from uh diving deep into your passion and like allowing your passion to flourish and i think now is the best time for that Ever because totally. now we can make we money. We have unlimited from the resources. Like, like there's no if, excuse. If now. your passion is video games, you can make millions. Oh my god, games. yeah, FaceCut. I like, just worked with them. Like yeah, it's they were on the cover of Sports yeah. Illustrated. The passion like, economy is popping. I think people are just conditioned to believe that you can't make money from your passions. But no, Literally. no, the new game. That's that's all it is. Even if you're like a truck driver and you love going through this road, you can have a whole podcast about going through that road. Exactly. And there's like, no excuses anymore. Yeah. Like you're your own problem at this point. You know, like if you're not going after it, it's because you're choosing to not go after it. You know, yeah. like I was in Colombia recently and actually it's when I bought this outfit <laughs> and I uh, met this boy who was 16. So it was crazy. Like my phone was about to die. Like I'm trying to meet up with my friends. This dude's hollering at me. Right. And uh-huh. he's just like literally freestyling about my ass. <laughs> and this kid is with him. Right. And they're like, what you want, girl? What you want? The dude was from Nigeria in Colombia. Right? He's like, what you want, girl? And I'm like, I want to smoke some pot. You guys got pot? <laughs> and this 16 year old kid, they're like, no, no, no. And like they walk away, whatever. The 16 year old kid comes after me and is like, I can get you weed, but we have to go into like the barrio. And, you know, yeah, it's a little like he didn't tell me it was sketchy, but I'm just like, yo, my phone is dead. The 16 year old street kid is telling me to go to the barrio with him <laughs> to get weed. But I'm a retard. I'm not really. I think I feel like I know energies and like. I just feel like I have, like, everything's an energy. So if you have the energy around you that's like, yo, shit's not going to happen to me because I'm not allowing it to happen to mm-hmm. me in that way, you can really experience beauty in humanity. I feel like a lot of people would have been in that situation and they would have been like, no fucking way. So I go with him into the car. And originally, when we got into the cab, I was thinking, I was already like, oh, my God, am I an idiot? Oh, my God, what if they're in it together? Did I have a Louis Vuitton bag on me, an iPhone that's dead? Like... I'm just like, no, Rox, you're a good human being and these are good people. Like, don't think that. They're going to get you the weed. <laughs> and I was right. No, yo, it was, yo, when I told my friends that are from Colombia that I went to Antokia, they were like, we never even been to Antokia. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> and yeah, he got me the pop. But the long story short is that he was a singer. His dream is to be a musician. He could impersonate, and I have it on my phone, he could impersonate every single, uh, like, Regotonero, like, Anuel, Arcangel, uh, Ozuna, like, Bad Bunny, but he'll, like, get deep into the voice and change it. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck? And so um, I had to get money out for the for the um, weed or whatever, and we're in the mall, and he was like, do you think you get me, like, an outfit? Like, I only have this one thing that I'm wearing. And I spent $330 on this kid in Nike. Like, I bought him shit I wouldn't have bought myself. And it's, like, not because, like, I just felt like, like, yes. this kid, he doesn't have a phone. He Like, he has an Instagram and he has, like, someone else's shit that he uses. But, like, 
he traveled from Venezuela when he was by himself at 10 years old to get to Columbia at 16. And he was like, I have dreams that I'm in the studio with Bad Bunny, like, da-da-da. And I'm like, yo, wow. I'm going to help you make that happen for you. And I got him a fucking studio session in Medellin. No <laughs> shit. Yeah, my friend is going to, to Columbia next week. And, like, I'm going to hook him up. Because it's like every, like, and I told him, too. So his thing, he sells lollipops and makes, like, $5 a day selling lollipops. And I'm like, yo, you're hanging out with all these rappers on the street. Why aren't you singing? Why aren't you, like, you're fucking talented. Yeah. He was like, oh, I don't want them to hear it. I'm like, bro. Poppy, like, no, 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 you got to get out of that mentality because that shit's never going to happen for yes. you. Like, change your shit. And now we talk all the time. Like, I'm, like, trying to help this kid. I'm, like, yes, because someone like that, even he, like, believes in himself enough to be, like, no, I'm going to be a musician. But it's, like, that's how Jay Balvin started, too. He was, like, singing on the streets of Medellin, actually, I think. Yeah. So it's like, it's, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's all a mentality. You know what I mean? Like. And by divine fate, this kid chose, like, met me. And we actually bonded on some, like, yo, soul shit. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Like, I'm like, I see you. And he saw me. And it was so beautiful. And, like, it was just a beautiful experience. And I just love meeting people around the world like that. But you have to have, like, your brain. You have to be open. You know, because I feel like a, most people would have, got, would have, first of all, probably not even gotten in the fucking car. Yeah. They wouldn't have even gotten that far. Yeah. They'd be nervous. Like, oh, my God, you know. But I don't think, like... Do you know your human design? Do you know what that is? No, explain it to me. Um, human design, there's five different kinds of human design in the world. And so I'm a reflector, which is 1% of the world. And reflectors have no closed centers. Like nothing in them is closed. So I'm completely open, which is why I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so reflectors are like, you know, I am a mirror for a lot of society. Like they reflect, absorb off me, but also like how I'm so, how I said freedom is my thing. It's like yeah. because I'm, I have a completely open mind, completely open heart, completely open anything. Like, I'm open to whatever the world has to offer me. You know what I mean? Which, obviously, there's like, you know, it could be negative too, but I choose to think in positivity in that way. So I feel like, yeah, I'm a great teacher for humanity and I'm going to change the world. I love that. Thank you. There needs to be more of that energy in the world. Yeah, that's and, what I'm. That's what I'm trying to do. I think there's a difference between cockiness and purpose. Exactly. Purpose. No, it's not cockiness, baby. It's just that I know my worth. What we were talking about earlier. You know what I mean? I think my phone is gonna die, so we need to shut this uh, live off. But yeah, I know. I know my purpose. That's what it is. You know. I love that you're dedicated to your social media. You gotta be. I mean, I would have nothing without social media. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. I get so many of my jobs from. I just told you, my commercial rep uh, found me on Instagram. Was following me for like three years on Instagram. Um, I mean, the production company I just signed with for commercials. Mm -hmm. um, I decided to delete my Instagram. And then, like, because I'm fucking addicted, I mm -hmm. checked my Instagram on my computer. And that's when I got my mulatto video with real goats that I was telling you about. Wow. Like, they DM'd me, like, hey, are you interested in video? And when that happened, like, see, that was another sign of the universe. When that happened, I was like, yo, I can't be off this thing. I need Instagram. Yeah. Like, I've, like, created it. And so now we're going more into that because we're going to make me a YouTube star. <laughs> which I haven't had time for myself, but like, like I didn't even realize, like that's what the importance of like having a team around you is that like, I, cause I have like, you know, a little following on Instagram. Like that's the only platform I have a following on, right? Yeah. So I thought like, oh, this is my platform. This is where everything should be because this is where I'm already like having things. And he saw this content that I'm sitting on. I mean, I have, you know how much I travel. Yeah. I mean, I have Puerto Rico, Colombia, Poland, Dominican Republic, Trinidad and Tobago, like so me, me vlogging, like actually making content, but like just sit, sitting on it. Yeah. And so when I showed him even just the two Puerto Rico and Colombia and also this guy, um, my friend Fernando, 
flew from London to Poland just to shoot me. Yeah. Um, earlier this year. And so that's like a real thing, you know, where he like came and shot whatever. But when he saw this, he was like, you know, you're a YouTube person, right? Like this is not reading Instagram. This is giving YouTube. And when I was watching with him, I was like, wait, you're completely right. But I just never had. And so he's like dedicated to like, he's going to build out that platform. But I'm just like, wow. Like I wasn't even think I wasn't see I like everybody could think bigger. Yes. And the way you think bigger is by having other people around you to help you think bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Because then they'll see something that you can't see. Exactly. It's always it's so important to share your vision with others, you know, in that way. And especially when something comes really easily to us, I think we undervalue it sometimes because we know ourselves so much and we're like, oh, of course, this is how I am. But then you forget that to other people like this is special. Like there are other people that don't have the belief in themselves the way that you do. Right. You know, like even I consider my, I believe in myself, but just the way you're talking right now, you're inspiring me. Oh, I'm like, oh shit, I need to keep leveling up. Like, this is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the it, leveling up don't stop. Like, life's a video game, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and sharing what you have. You know, I think all the things that make us different are what makes us special. Yes. And growing up, we may think that, oh, you know, I want to be more like this person. Or I'm not that tall, or I'm not this, this, or I should be more Comparison lighter or darker. Or all, all these things. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, there's only one person that has the exact recipe of life experiences and tastes that you do. Right. And that's why now with social media, you can put that out there. Like if you're a loud person, be loud. If you're a quiet person, be quiet. If you're a nerd, be nerdy. It's like whatever it is that you have, you can just be that. It's okay. So um, I think that I used to have a lot of anxiety about like, um, because there's so many ideas I want to do. I mean, I have like four film ideas like three, yeah. three tv series yeah um more than four films even but like original films i want to make some biopics too like mm-hmm. i have so much in me that i already want to make yeah and who's to you know tomorrow a new idea might sprout up right so um like i'd get anxiety because i'm like oh my god i want to do all these things i didn't know what to accomplish first right and then I, because then that would be something that would like hold me back because i'm like what do i go out first you know and then i'm like doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this and like that's where getting a team comes in is like oh well this person's gonna help make this vision happen and this person's gonna make this vision happen you know um but i used to think i used to get like anxiety like what if someone else comes up with this idea first well the thing is now i'm at a point where i'm like no but no one has my voice no one will ever tell these stories the way I'm going to tell them. So, like, you know, even if someone else wants to tell a story about a similar situation, like, it's never going to be my story, you know? Because yeah, two people can tell different stories about the same thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, that's, do you know the show The Affair? No. Um, it's really fantastic. Uh, it's on Showtime. Um, but it's a story about a marriage breaking down, right? Um and the first half of every episode is from the man's perspective and the second half is from the woman's. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, it's because there's also like a murder involved. Like it's yeah, like, yeah, all the yeah. shit, but like, it's crazy. Like hearing even like the minute details of like their first encounter, like the way she sees it versus the way he sees it is like so different. You yeah. Know? And it's really interesting because it's like that show actually made me think differently in that way that I'm like, wow, that's like how life is too. You know, like. I could remember this. I could go home and be like, oh, this, this, this has happened. And like your perception of how this interview went is going to be so different than mine in, in yes. that way, you know? Or like the thing is the other thing about it is like whatever the highlights are for me are going to be different from the highlights of what you got out of this. Yeah. Like even like when you talk to your friends, like, you know, when they like remember things and you're like, I don't remember that. But like that was a key memory for them. Yeah, or, like, it was their experience. Yeah. I felt that happened in the terms of people apologizing me for stuff that I don't even remember. 
Like, dude, I'm so sorry about that one time that just happened. I'm like, oh, I didn't even, didn't even bother right, me Right, and they're like, they're like harboring it in. They're like, yeah. oh, and I've been meaning to say it. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're thinking about that still? Yeah, I feel. Ah, this has been a great conversation. Yes, thank you so much. I, I love how passionate you are. I love how expressive you are. Oh, thank you. And I love how dedicated you are as well. You know, I think this colorful energy that you have is showing people that you don't have to be just one way. They don't have to be your way. But what you're showing is that you can be your own way. Yes. You know, exactly. that like not that everybody has to be a nudist. <laughs> no. But you are. Right. And you're being authentically yourself. Exactly. And the point is, are you being you? Exactly. Do you, boo? That's the name of my podcast. That That's perfect. a brilliant name for a podcast. Um, I love yeah. that name. Yeah, I think that being a chameleon is my superpower. Yeah. That's actually what my business coach told me earlier this year because, you know, when I was struggling still with like the, oh, and I'm a director, but I'm also this, and I'm also that, she was like, but you could be all the things. And um, yeah, so being a chameleon is my superpower, and I feel like, you know, I just, everybody's multifaceted. The problem is that we're, a lot of us are trying to put ourselves in boxes when we're not meant to be in boxes, you know? We're meant to be like star children, like sprinkling in the galaxies. Now more than ever. It's not right. the 1920s. It's not like you have to be a pharmacist for the rest of your life or whatever exactly. it is. Exactly. So even, like, even if you already are creative, you're... you know? It's like... crazy, yo. I saw my cousin the other day and she's like, well, in 10 years we'll start traveling because that's when the kids are going to be in school. And I'm like... So you're going to wait 10 years to start living your life. Like, that's what, bro? Like, what? Why? You might not have 10 years. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, you know, we got to live every day and make the most out of it. So. Absolutely. I know you got a, a show to get to tonight. Yes. Um, But I feel like I would love to have you back on the podcast. Oh, my point. God. I'll come back have, for a we, part two. Let's we go. We have so much to talk about. Let's go. But um, thanks for sharing all this. I hope the people that are watching got to see that just – how expansive your mind is and mm -hmm. how different mindsets can get you up there. Like you don't have to be just one way. Like, like even with well, how we started with you saying that like as a director, people are trying to put you in a box, but you're like, no, 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 this is how I'm going to live. And then you started meeting people that were higher up as well. And you saw that they were living that way too. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, wow, okay, you can be successful and a free spirit. You don't have to be like super like yeah, serious so person to be successful. It's like, no, you can be a, a, a happy fun, loving person who also has their shit together and makes it happen. Right. Can I share one more thing? Yeah. So um, on that experience, um, we had at the end of it, the end of the um, retreat, we had to go around in a circle um, and like each person would go into the center and like explain how one person touched them in the week. Right. And so three people went in and said and said me and it was because I brought them to be fun again. I brought their fun back. You know, and then another one was like about my free spirit and my joy and my playfulness. Um, and like, so the whole thing is that that was another thing that made me realize, wow, yeah, my playfulness and my authenticity and my fun like that and my curiosity, like all these things that like, you know, as an adult, you shouldn't be that way. Or like as someone that's like trying to be a filmmaker and a boss, you can't be that way. No, these like millionaires were coming and saying, you taught me something because you made me bring back my inner child, you know, and so... Yeah, like, it's amazing to, like, have that, to realize, like, yeah, you know, like, these things that people are bringing me down for, like, no, bitch, no, life is fun, enjoy yourself, you know? Absolutely. So. You get to say the final, final line, final message of the show. And the final line? The final line, the final message of the show is all yours. Take it away. 
Be the director of your own life, baby. 